As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, misery for the men at Wembley again. Joy for the women at Wembley again. A mixed bag, basically. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. Oh, listener, what a weekend, hey? 50% good, 50% not so good. Uh, here to run the rule over everything that happened at Wembley this past weekend are Simon Johnson of The Athletic. Hello. And Sam Parkins back with us too. Hi, Sam. Morning, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt, by the way. Uh, a weekend at Wembley then for the Blues. We'll get to the good news later, but first... Here with the penalty is Mason Mount. Oh, and it's saved by Hamilton. It's a terrific leap to his left. Saves with his left hand, drops to his knees and looks to the sky. Once again, Liverpool have the chance to seal this and win the FA Cup. Simakas from the spot for Liverpool. Scores! Uh, again, like the last final, very close and uh, we're uh, unlucky to lose again and uh, hurts. We gave everything, we left everything out there. I think we deserved to win uh, on an equal matter like, like last time and uh, both teams gave everything. We hold them now down to a very minimum in all matches we play against them and uh, they have simply a little bit more luck at the end. Everybody is very sad and, and uh, very disappointed, so there are no words that help, but I told them that I'm, I'm proud and uh, that we did what we had to do and um, needed to try to come back. So once again, it wasn't to be for Chelsea's men's team in the FA Cup final. They lost on penalties to Liverpool after 120 goalless minutes. Both Simon and Liam Toomey were on hand for The Athletic, so there now follows a two-for-one voice note special recorded mere moments after Simicas struck the last pen. So Simon, you weren't here at the Carabao Cup final in February. I was. I can assure you we're watching a very similar sight, which is... Liverpool players and staff celebrating in front of what is very much a party going on in their, in their end through the red smoke. And we're looking across to our left at the Chelsea players in yellow 
sort of standing or sitting or lying kind of I don't think they're really aware of where they are what they're doing not really talking to each other some of the fans have stayed some of them are leaving and it's uh, yeah more disappointment to what's been an incredibly exhausting and ultimately quite unfulfilling season they're the nearly men aren't they really they nearly beat Liverpool in the League Cup final they nearly beat Real Madrid in the Champions League Court final they nearly beat Liverpool here of course it's a classic case of once again not taking chances Liverpool obviously were guilty of it as well uh, it's just like the League Cup final either team could have won it but you do have to wonder what's what's missing from this Chelsea team it's the killer instinct so that's now three finals in a row they've gone down in history it's the first team first club to ever lose three finals in a row that's five finals in six years of course of course they won the Champions League final last year can't forget that and the Super Cup the Club World Cup this year in this season but there aren't enough winners in this squad as harsh as it sounds and that's what the new owners are going to have to try and invest in they've got to find some winners because it's not good enough to play well and finish second best Chelsea's all about winning their, their history under Abramovich has shown that I think we have to be fair in that and say that both of these finals against Liverpool have come down to the finest possible margins and given what a great team Liverpool are I think we'd all agree they're better than Chelsea right now the league table would certainly say that um, they could win the Champions League although they might have to do it without Van Dijk and Salah just on that you know when you're looking back on this game the fact that Liverpool were without Salah for so long or without Van Dijk for all of extra time of course that's uh, Jurgen Klopp punching the air in front of us um, they're now starting the post-match presentations but without Fabinho from pre-match you know that's three of Liverpool's most important players seems like a rare opportunity for Chelsea and we know they had misfortune of their own Kai Havertz picking up that hamstring injury before the game Kovacic um, and Kante kind of walking wounded we know Jorginho hasn't been fully right all season but both these teams both these squads have played 60 plus games you kind of expect that but given the names we're missing for Liverpool I kind of feel like this feels even more of a missed opportunity than the Carabao Cup final did in February yeah, um, and it looked like an extra time, you know, obviously fatigue played a part, but Chelsea didn't really go for it without, you know, given that Van Dijk wasn't on the pitch. Um, but then did they have the bodies to go? What, we, we still don't know at this time we're recording this, what was up with Timo Werner. Um, of course, if he had an injury as well, then... He, he has to be injured. It, it makes like Tuchel, Tuchel's game management makes absolutely no sense if Werner did not have some sort of injury yeah and there'll be heavy, a lot of questions asked if there isn't an injury but it, it's the, the, the shame is is that Chelsea in the season that's promised so much has ended up delivering not very much and, and they're facing it they're having to look at the other end of the pitch here as Liverpool celebrate and sort of think, you know, what, what is... There, there is a gap between these two clubs at the moment. 
it's a, it's a small one on the pitch, obviously, because they've played each other four times and drawn effectively four times. But I think back to when Chelsea had players like Drogba, Lampard. I know, I know Chelsea have to move on from the old era, but you always sense that they had finishers. And by finishers, I mean closers, to use the sort of American expression to finish these kind of games and I just wonder or I worry that there aren't enough of those types I have to say quickly we got we got to send out a huge amount of sympathy for the two guys that missed the penalties you know Espelicueta what a servant this may have been his last kick of a ball at Wembley he doesn't deserve that and, and the same for Mason Mount who's been one of Chelsea's best players unfortunately they both missed the same side Asby hitting the post Mason Mount hitting the one of those savable penalties that we always see. That's not Mount's usual side either. I've watched quite a lot of Mount's penalties. He usually, hit, when he first started taking them, he'd go top bins to the keeper's right. And then he had one saved, I think, against Tottenham well, in the cup last season. And he's, he's veered away from that. And, and, Obviously, and, Alisson guessed right. And I wonder whether he was exhausted, stroke, had some kind of niggle, because normally you'd expect him to be one of the five, wouldn't you? Not, not what was he, number seven? I think, or eight. Sorry, I've lost count. I think he was number seven in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, perhaps that was a clue of how he was feeling that he wasn't one of the five. Because normally you'd expect him to be one of the one of the first takers. But, I mean, this is... It, it, it's hard to be... You don't want to sound too negative because Chelsea, again, have, have managed to raise their level against a very good opponent. But... Football's all about winners, and unfortunately, Chelsea have come up short, which has been a very familiar story this season. I mean, in one way, it's quite impressive that Chelsea even made it to penalties because the first 20 minutes oh, were an rock. absolute massacre. Weren't could have been over after nine minutes. Yeah, I mean, they were they were playing quite a high line, but they were completely unable to press Liverpool. They were getting carved open. Luis Diaz was running rampant. They were incredibly lucky. Yeah. You know, Thiago Silva looked hobbled almost immediately, didn't he? So in that sense, Chelsea did well to sort of steady the ship. Tuchel made adjustments. But I think you maybe have to ask questions about Tuchel's game management again in a big game with subs. He tends to leave subs quite late and players get tired on the pitch. But then even, even the subs he did make, you know, you bring on Ziyech for Lukaku when Ziyech and Lukaku... Ziyech probably has the best connection with Lukaku of any of Chelsea's forwards. And they're really good friends off it. Um, and then you, so you put Pulisic as a false nine, that didn't really work. No one wanted to run in behind Liverpool's defence. Then you put Loftus-Cheek up front, yeah. which has, I, I can't remember Tuchel doing that this season. That might be like the fifth role he's played Loftus-Cheek in this year. That didn't work. Then you sub the sub for the penalties and give Ross Barkley his first minutes since January. Great penalty. Hey, yeah, I mean, look, we can't say too much about it. He scored, he scored well under a lot of pressure. I'm sure he could see the headlines. But I think there were maybe signs in this game that, as exhausting as this season has been for Chelsea's players, it seems to have been really draining for Tuchel too. I think, I think you're right, Liam. I, I, you know, in, in recent weeks, there have been some strange decisions from Tuchel and, and he will come under the, the microscope as well because, you know, there, there have been some, some odd, odd calls of late. But we don't know the full story, I'm sure, in the post-match press conference. I know as we're listening to this, you're hearing this on Monday, but 
you know, we'll, we'll perhaps sort of hear some of the explanations which may make more sense of what happened. But again, it feels like we're coming to an end of a season where the same script is there, that Chelsea don't have a reliable finisher. They don't, they've spent millions ever since Costelet, absolute fortunes. And they're still, and they're going to another summer window but this time without Abramovich's cash. We don't know what the new owners are going to do transfer-wise, but it just feels like once Lukaku went off, not saying that he was guaranteed to score, but who was going to get the goal? It was like Chelsea got a lot of little pretty players, but there is no ruthless edge to this to this group of players. And yeah, it is, it's a concern going forward. There, there is a big rebuilding job to do with this squad, I think. Well, we can only see, we can only assume that Todd Bowley was here. I don't remember the cameras panning to him at any point. Obviously, we can't see him from our vantage point. He would have seen some good things about Chelsea today, yeah. but he'll also have seen the challenge that lies ahead. And yeah. I think, I think on that we'll sign off because this is clocking in close to ten minutes. Uh, Liverpool are about to go up and lift the trophy. I'm sure that you probably don't want to hear that. So, this is Simon and I from Wembley. Back to you, Matt. Uh, Sam, you were also on hand at Wembley for the BBC. Another case of so near but so far for Chelsea, and this is becoming a, an unwanted habit. Yeah, it is. I just can't believe we've sat through two pretty entertaining games. Certainly the first 45 minutes on Saturday was great, and we haven't seen a goal. I, I, just, I just don't understand how this has happened, because... Both teams seem to be going for it again in that first half. I didn't think Liverpool looked particularly solid, especially when they threw bodies forward. Chelsea counter-attacked and, and made great opportunities in that first half. For all Liverpool's intensity in the opening 20 minutes where they blew Chelsea out of the water, Thomas Tuchel must have been disappointed at half-time, given the, the quality of the chance to Pulisic and, and Alonso. So... Couldn't believe it that we had another nil-nil. The extra time was was pretty miserable, wasn't it? There was a certain inevitability about penalties being the outcome. But yeah, just disappointed. Disappointed they couldn't get over the line. But after the opening 20 minutes, it was a pretty good recovery, wasn't it? Um, I thought, thought that Trevor Chalaber was probably going to remember this cup final for all the wrong reasons. I thought it was going to be hellish for him. So... He deserves enormous credit. I think Reese James helped him out somewhat after that opening period and they kind of together stopped uh, Diaz from kind of running away with what would have been a man of the match performance. But um, yeah, bitterly disappointed the way it ended and everyone will have their their take and their say on who should have gone first, who should have taken the penalties. Bit surprised that Azpilicueta was so high up the order, but... I think his character probably determines that. He probably wants to lead by example. And sometimes that kind of wins over maybe who technically should have probably gone earlier in the, in the order, if that makes sense. Maybe Ziyech and, and Mount, I'd have preferred to have gone sooner. Mm, that's scored penalties in shootouts for Chelsea before. Um, but yeah, take your point. Uh, Simon, you mentioned in the voice note there about, about the injuries, Kai Havertz and, and Timo Werner, neither of which we were aware of in the build-up to the game were they last minute things presumably and did, did Thomas Tuchel just want to keep the Havertz one quiet yeah I mean the, the Havertz thing obviously sort of only broke once the <laughs> once the squad came out um, and it quickly emerged that he'd um, sustained a hamstring injury in the build up 
to um, in the preparation for the game uh, the day before. Uh, Werner did his during the warm up. I mean, how's your luck? <laughs> it's like you got you got Kovacic um, as Tuchel went on to uh, went on to say after the game, sort of struggling. I think he sort of inferred that he it was amazing. He even got his boot on because his ankle was so so uh, big, swollen from the the Dan James tackle. Um, Conte was clearly not fit. So what could go wrong did go wrong. You could argue though that Liverpool had their issues as well. So it, it would be wrong to just make out that Chelsea were were hampered. Um, you know, if 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 you see no uh, Salah and Van Dijk, you know, in extra time, um, did Chelsea make the most of extra time? I, I'm not sure they did. Did they? Did they really sort of push for it, or were they happy to to try and try and get the better of Liverpool at penalties. But sort of now that now that you sort of had time to reflect on it, I was obviously very upbeat when I recorded that voice note. Um but I, I still sort of think I still my, my opinion is still the same because I I went down and spoke to a couple of the players um in Azpilicueta and, and Rudiger and and I, and I don't think Chelsea can sit there and, and go, oh it's all bad luck and, and unlucky and all this. It, as Rudiger says, that's three. That's three I've lost. It's not just unlucky, unlucky, unlucky. Something's missing. You know, Chelsea used to find a way to to win these close games uh, when they were in their pomp. Um, this this current group, fantastic to win the Champions League, um, Super Cup, Club World Cup. But the general trend, including the Premier League, has has, has been a there's been a, a downward spiral slightly. So um, that's something they're going to have to fix. Question marks over Thomas Tuchel. Sam, I'm thinking about Christian Pulisic playing for so long in this game when he wasn't playing particularly well. But also, in general, the, the substitutions and, and the timing of them seemed a little odd. Uh, Lukaku, you know, particularly, probably the most likely player to get a goal, as you mentioned. But but it's, it's worth assessing what Thomas Tuchel's done in the last couple of months, isn't it? Obviously, a difficult period for him and the club. But as we said last week, maybe he's out of form as well. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't necessarily agree with you about Pulisic. Actually, I thought he was. I thought he did pretty well, other than the chances he, he obviously probably should have converted. And I think that would have been what Simon thinks. I thought that would have been obviously why he made that deci- decision because Pulisic was his touch was in. He was he was looking a threat. Lukaku wasn't, and that's probably why he kept him on the last line. Um, to, to maybe have the opportunity of getting down the sides of of Liverpool, especially when Van Dijk w- was injured. Um, I was enthused when Loftus-Cheek came on, but not as a striker. I thought it was probably made for him to come on in the middle of the pitch and add a little bit of explosiveness and, and maybe be able to run, drive at people, um, especially with, with Van Dijk not on there. Um, but but yeah, that, that was peculiar. Um, I would have put him into the, to the middle of the pitch, although... Jorginho would have been kept on for a penalty, clearly. And, and that was in the manager's thinking by this stage. But no, th- th- there was a few odd ones. Obviously, Werner looks like he wasn't... That was the obvious one. The, the biggest talking point afterwards was, you know, Werner would have been surely an asset at the weekend, but, you know, he wasn't available. So, yeah, his, his hand was forced a little bit. I, I, I can't get too critical of Thomas Tuchel right now. I think there's there's big changes needed in the summer. Um, obviously he's probably going to have a few of these loanees back as well to to drip feed into the squad and they're going to need to make some big signings in in big 
areas of the pitch where they're really short right now. Um, so I wouldn't go overboard. He's made finals. They've not got over the line, but there's something in what Simon says, absolutely. And I go back to what I said after the Everton defeat. It's it's the character, isn't it? The character, the leaders that that step up in in big moments. I don't think there's a there's probably enough in this in this squad right now, and that's why it, it, it needs freshened. Yeah, it's um, it almost feels like Liverpool have become what Chelsea used to be. You know, Liverpool sort of as good as they are. Obviously, they they also seem to be able to to win these these close games, but. I just wanted to add on to the Pulisic thing, you know, the Pulisic debate, because I'm basically agree with both of you. And I was actually sort of saying during the game and after the game, it's a real sort of half glass full, half glass empty scenario. Because on one hand, you could say, oh, he's been a constant threat and got lots of great positions and and, and has caused Liverpool problems. On the other hand, you go, yeah, but where was the end product? the finishing, the final ball. I mean, for example, the ball for Alonso, um, for, for Alonso's chance, he held on to it too long yeah. and he hit it too hard and in front of him when, you know, it's easy for me to say my, uh, you know, all my international experience. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Simon. It meant Alonso had to stretch. And, 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 and by it, the, yeah. yeah, by the time he gets it, it's pretty easy save for Alice in the end. He gets a lot of praise for it, but but essentially he's got time to get right to him. So all Alonso can do is sort of do a sort of prod type finish as, as Alison's right there to block it. And what he wanted to do was just, it's just sort of like a little sort of eight foot putt, you know, just a little gentle, <laughs> just roll it, roll it. Um, it is frustrating because... Yeah, we didn't hear from Christian Pulisic's dad, did we, um, on Saturday night. There were no no tweets talking about how his son perhaps should have been one of the heroes on Saturday. Uh, Producer Lucy, who was there as a fan, has come down very strongly on one side of the Christian Pulisic's performance debate. Uh, I'll leave that up to your imagination. Listener, um, Simon, so your post-match piece focused on the on the need for new blood. It's something that Sam's alluded to there yeah. as well. Do, do we know any more about Todd Bowley's intentions in in that regard? We do know that he took lunch with uh, with both Emma Hayes and Thomas Tuchel separately last week. Presumably, they would have had a brief chat about that. Not not so much yet. Tuchel um, spoke again. He, he did a separate um, after doing his uh, broadcast press conference. And he said the lunch was pretty much a you know a cosy little chat, but they're going to meet again to talk about sort of the more nitty gritty and, and transfers, obviously being one of them. That he's clearly going to get backing, but it's the amount of backing that's the concern, because as sort of Sam intimated, that, that there's more than one position that needs to be addressed here. I mean, but apart from in goal. Because Chelsea are pretty much sorted there, although you know Kepper may will probably be on his way. You're looking at every department of the pitch, defence for obvious reasons because they're they're losing at least two. But I think midfield needs. I think the last few weeks has shown that Chelsea need freshening up in every department. Um, there is, as I said, something missing. You have to say up front they're missing. Despite spending ninety seven point five million on Lukaku, what what happens there? But creative midfield, what happens with Jorginho and Conte? Could this could this be a farewell for them? Even though they've got a year left on the contract, there's so many areas to 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 sort of think about this summer, but not as much sort of cash potentially to sort it out. So it's very very 
difficult but important summer. You would imagine that the new owners, though, will want to make a statement. They they won't want to come in and do a do a 2003 transfer window where Kike De Lucas arrives as a free agent and that's it. <laughs> uh, well, the other big story that broke in the aftermath of the game Sunday night actually was that Andreas Christensen apparently was supposed to start and pulled out before the match. Uh, he claimed that he was ill. There seems to be a bit of debate around that. What what do we know about that on Monday morning, Simon? Not not much more than that, to be honest, Matt. Um, that that's obviously Tuchel has come out publicly and said it, which um, perhaps betrays an element of frustration. He's also confirmed that he's he's, he's definitely off, but his camper is saying it, it 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 wasn't as bad as it sounds. That it was due to ill health. Um, I mean, this has happened before. Um, I remember. Richio Sarri even sort of saying, oh, words to the effect of, oh, we all know that Andreas gets unwell a lot, which was quite a bit of a dig at the time. But it, it my, my overriding sort of view on it and, and his departure is one of sadness, really, that, that, that it's come to this, that he's going to leave a bit of a, well, let's be honest, not a very popular figure among the fans. And you compare it with, with what had been going on uh, this time last year, almost, you know, he he totally turned uh, his uh, reputation around among the fan base. He he'd gone from being a uh, a source of oh he's not good enough and and da 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 to wow he's the Danish Maldini and 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 he seemed to sort of re sort of really come to the fore under Tuchel and of course he was a key part in the Champions League, but uh, this season since the contracts dispute has sort of gone on and on and on um it, it's become a sort of a real sorry way to leave and i don't think uh too many people will be sorry to see him go now unfortunately and if chelsea ever get barcelona in europe you can imagine he might be getting similar treatment to what Thibaut Courtois faced only quite recently sam is it naive of me to think that that he should have not that he owed Chelsea anything particularly, but but that he should have been a bit more committed in these last few months of the season. And also, if you're a Barcelona player, are you thinking, hmm, is this guy going to fancy it when he comes to us? Well, I don't think it's really fair to speculate because we, we don't know exactly what's what's gone on here. But obviously, Simon referenced Maurizio Sarri, spoke about it previously. Um, yeah, and it's... It's, it's sad, really, that, it's, that he's leaving on a sour note because a year ago, I thought he was turning into a really special player. And I think he showed that for, for Denmark. Excellent player, classy centre-half. I think John Terry rates him highly. He's always spoken, you know, in nice terms about him. And, and he looked for a period he was going to ultimately be the heir to his throne somewhat, um, having spent so long at Cobham, become a regular, you know, big player for his country linked with top clubs so yeah disappointing that it's ended in this it's ending in this in this fashion um yeah I wouldn't have fancy playing up against Diaz either to, to be honest <laughs> um just joking um yeah so I, I don't think it's fair to speculate there's obviously something going on there and you know whether it was illness or he doesn't want to risk getting injured or you know there's a there's a fragility there for whatever reason. I think we just have to just uh, accept it really. And um, yeah, wish him well, I suppose. Not when he plays Chelsea. 
And so that was the 2022 Men's FA Cup final. Enough with all this misery. Let's bring some joy to the pot. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Oh, mistake from Alana Kennedy. And Chelsea could be in here. It's Sam Kerr. She has Jesse Fleming with her. Kerr goes alone. And it's in! Deflection to get past the goalkeeper. One misstep, and Sam Kerr makes you pay. If I'm honest, I felt Man City underestimated us a little bit in the build-up to the game. This team has superb character for a reason, and we've won the titles we have for multiple reasons. There is no denying it was the best FA Cup final, I think, in recent years. But we dig so deep, we had players carrying cram, groin strains, everything, that we can dig it out and I thought just by far and away my favourite win. There we go, full time. Chelsea once again. Emma Hayes guides her team to an 11th major trophy. A legit thriller of an FA Cup final on Sunday as Chelsea overcame Manchester City 3-2 after extra time. If you didn't know, you could probably have guessed that Sam Kerr scored what proved to be the winning goal. Our friend Flo Lloyd-Hughes was on hand for this one and joins us now. Uh, Flo, Chelsea relentless, but but a little bit lucky as well? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think the balance in the game, Manchester City were the better team. Um, I think they'll be really disappointed. They they started the game stronger. They had better chances as well in the first sort of 10 minutes or so. And Chelsea were really under the cosh. And I think City will be very frustrated that they didn't make the most of having the momentum. And also the fact that they kind of, um, you know, deflated Chelsea right seconds before Chelsea would have won the game. City equalised in stoppage time and actually, really, that felt like the moment where City were going to finally capitalise in the game. But they just couldn't. They just couldn't find that winning moment. And Chelsea just once again proved that they can get it done even in the toughest moments where they're really lacking quality or, or, or playing very well. They just get it done. It's, it's worth stressing, isn't it, what brilliant form City were in? before this game? Was it 14 wins on the spin or something daft? So, so therefore, where does this rank in terms of, of Chelsea's recent cup wins? I think it, it ranks it ranks pretty high. I think it's not. it wasn't as dominant or maybe as impressive as the win in December. Obviously, that 
goal that Sam Kerr scored in that game and the, the qualities in general of all the goals in that game were very good. Um, but I feel like it does feel a bit more special because the fact it was just a week after that incredible way that they won the league on the final day. Erin Cuthbert once again starring in this game like she did in, in that final day, getting getting Chelsea back into the game. Um, and I think that makes it feel unique in in some way. Um, and I think when I spoke to Emma Hayes yesterday, she said it was her favourite win. Um, but I feel like she says that quite a lot, but she said it was her favourite win. Um, and I think it does feel special when you do it in quite a dramatic, uh, tough way. Whereas that final in December, even though it was mightily impressive, it was one-way traffic. Like Arsenal really struggled in that game. Whereas... I suppose when you don't have it all your own way, where you've got to really compete against such a a dangerous side, it probably does feel a little bit sweeter and rank a little bit higher than sometimes when you've actually had it a little bit easier. Um, Emma Hayes said she thought that, that City underestimated Chelsea a bit. Would you would you agree with that? Um, I I don't I don't really know what what she's referring to really because she just likes beef, doesn't she? Basically. Yeah, I mean, obviously, she she's such a quotable person. She loves she loves chatting to the media. She loves um, she loves entertaining people and and entertaining women's football fans and entertaining football fans in general with um, with her platform and and who she is. And she is she is a very entertaining and interesting character. Um, so maybe that's part of it. But yeah, I, I don't really know what what she was referring to. I mean, maybe it was something that Gareth Taylor said in the lead up to the game. But I certainly felt like. City played a very strong team. You know, it's not like it, exactly like they they rested players because they thought Chelsea weren't going to be up to it or anything like that. I wonder if she felt like there was a bit of of arrogance from from Gareth Taylor and City, and and they were a little bit presumptuous about winning that game. Maybe it's off the back of of winning that cup final against Chelsea in March. Maybe it was like you know they felt like it was going to be easy because they've already done it once already in a cup final this season. I don't know. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. But I also feel like for Hayes and Chelsea, I think they quite like being able to call themselves underdogs and using that to fuel them. And they've certainly done that in the last two games, um, kind of using those moments to bring out the best of, of, the, of themselves. So I feel like maybe they were feeding off that a little bit. Hey, you mentioned Erin Cuthbert earlier, player of the match, got the, the goal of the game too. If it wasn't for Sam Kerr, she'd be Chelsea's player of the year, wouldn't she? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's even more impressive because Cuthbert was a little bit more on the sidelines last season. 19-20 season that was obviously curtailed uh, because of COVID. That was a huge season for Erin Cuthbert. She was very, very good. I think she might have won some some end of season awards off the back of that campaign. And then last season with all the recruitment that Chelsea made and, and, and the formation, you know, adapting a little bit, she kind of took a bit of a backseat, became a bit more of a squad player. And then this season she's played in lots of different positions. She's played at wing back a few times um, and she's just been so crucial for them and scored some really important goals. So um, it's just amazing to see how her game is continuing to, continuing to develop and I actually think what Emma Hayes has kind of shown the last few weeks and talked about a lot is how important Cuthbert is in the dressing room and how important she is as a character and actually Sam Kerr put a tweet out this morning sort of 
hinting at exactly that sort of thing. Um, and this is the morning after, obviously, their their post-match celebrations. But she said, she said not just saying this because she's my best mate, but Erin Cuthbert is one of the world's best. And I think she is a really important person in that Chelsea dressing room. And she is certainly someone, I think, who, when things aren't maybe going well, a lot of uh, her players and Emma Hayes will look to her as the person on the pitch that could turn things around. And finally, then that, that's the end of the season for the women's team. Pretty much perfect, wasn't it? But but as we've spoken about before, improvement in Europe is the next step. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't for English clubs in general. I don't know how long that's going to take. Um, we've got the Champions League final this coming weekend. Uh, the women's Champions League final in Turin between Lyon and Barcelona, and I think a lot of people are expecting. Barcelona to begin or, or continue uh, a, a very long streak of of winning the Champions League and, and this will be their second of, of many. But it'll be interesting to see what happens to see if Lyon can, can push them and, and maybe cause an upset. So I don't know how Chelsea, Arsenal and City are, are going to be able to compete with, with Barcelona and even some of those other top sides in Europe. But certainly that is the last remaining challenge for Chelsea to to prove that they are the best in Europe. Let's hope they can get it done at some point. Uh, Flo, thanks so much for today and for all your contributions this season. Thanks, guys. Uh, Sam, it's time for my weekly question to you about how good Sam Kerr is. Uh, different <laughs> goals, not as spectacular as last week's. The, the, the first one, the header from all of a yard, the one that all strikers love, of course, but pouncing on the error for the winner... I tweeted at the time, she's running through on goal and going, square it, square it, square it. No, no, of course, there's no need to square it. Just uh, just take the shot. Slightly lucky with the deflection, but I mean, talk about a big game player. Yeah, 16 and 13 she's finished in the season with and yeah, got a bit of good fortune, uh, you have to say, at the um, at the weekend with the first and the third goals. But yeah, no surprise that she's the, the finisher. I thought obviously until about the fifth angle that Millie Bright's cross had, had gone in. So yeah, that was, that was really fortunate. But now she's been top quality, and you go back to that previous podcast when we spoke. She looked, it looked like it was going to be the curse of the Chelsea number nine, didn't it? The first couple of games when she spurned so many opportunities, especially in that game at, at Wembley. But she magnificent finisher, magnificent, and um, yeah, unusual. She wasn't um, the one with a goal of the game. That would be Erin Cuthbert's um, finish. Although the two Manchester City goals were beautifully taken as well, so. Yeah, uh, Sam Kerr got the scrappy ones, but she's been magnificent. Simon, is it too simplistic of me to say that there seems quite a striking difference in the mentality of the men's and the women's team? Like the, the men's team need to play well to win, whereas mm. the women's team can find a way to win if they're not playing well. Yeah, um, and I think Emma Hayes even sort of inferred about that was all about character, that was all about there's something extra. She expected a really close game, but but she sort of like Liverpool, like like the Chelsea men's team of old, that that ability to to win the tight games, and also it that weird sort of you know like the winning goal is the kind of kind of thing that happens to winning teams. I know that sounds obvious, but I when I saw it, I just went oh, how, how the men's team could have done with that, but. But it would have for the men's team. It would have the shot would have gone off and it would have deflected just past the post. You know, <laughs> but it, it's just funny how. how or if it was all... Werner, it would have been disallowed for something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it'd been offside, or VAR would have said, "Yeah, he sneezed." Um, you know, 
it would have been ruled out for some reason. But but at the same time, you know, fair play because Man City, what uh, when they got the equaliser, the second equaliser, they looked on top. They looked like they were going to be the stronger. A bit like, a bit like the the League Cup final, the Conte Cup final. That it seemed that that they had once they once they got on level terms that they they were galvanised and and Chelsea were suddenly looking quite tired, quite leggy, hitting a lot of long balls. Sam Kerr seemed really isolated, and you're thinking, oh dear, how's this? Is is it going to be a a repeat of the men's men's of of losing to the same opponent in the two domestic cup finals? And I don't think anyone with a Chelsea connection could have, could have coped with that this weekend. But yeah, it was a it was a it was a long ball, big mistake. Sam Curves, she's gone. Um, the question was, was she going to shoot or was she going to pass? Um, but. I think she makes her own luck as well because that sort of jittery kind of, oh, what's she going to do? I don't know whether I should go over to her. is a sign of, oh, but this is Sam Kerr I've got to worry about. And, and it, yeah, I, I just think you make your own luck and, and this women's team thoroughly deserve to win the double. The, the question is, can they, can they make a better fist of it in Europe next season? Uh, Sam, in, in The Guardian, in uh, Jonathan Liu's match piece, he points out that before Emma Hayes arrived, the biggest thing Chelsea had ever won was the Surrey County Cup. Uh, <laughs> a decade later, she's won 11 trophies, everything you can win domestically more than once. In a conversation about the greatest Chelsea managers of all time, she's got to be right up there now, hasn't she? Yeah, I'll let, maybe let Simon discuss Tommy Doherty and Dave Sexton and the like. I can't go back to that type of era, sorry. Um, I don't know. How old do you, how old do you think I am? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Who would we have at the top of that list? Jose, I suppose. Carlo Ancelotti. But it's the longevity, isn't it? You know, it's a, he, Carlo Ancelotti was two seasons. Jose, yeah. two spells, but not as long as, as Emma Hayes overall. What do you mm. think, Simon? Is it the longevity that, that puts her up near the top, if not at the top of this list? It's very difficult. It's very difficult to 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 compare. Um, I mean, obviously, she's going to be talked about very highly and rightly so. She has had the benefit of a huge budget, um, but like many of the men's managers, so have they. It's a difficult one for me. For me, Mourinho will will, will be very difficult to shift um, as number one for a while because. Um, as he memorably quoted about league titles until until someone wins four, I'm number one. Um, I, I just think you know to sort of have a manager that that combined with the money transformed Chelsea from nearly men to winners um, should never be underestimated. And and he he basically a lot of the managers that followed benefited from the DNA that he'd put in place in that dressing room. So he almost claims an assist for a lot of the trophies that that followed. Um, he certainly would claim that, <laughs> including the 2012 Champions League win. But anyway, back to Emma, because it's not it's not about Maria. Um, yeah, she, she's fantastic. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many superlatives one can use. Um, Chelsea's short, you know, certainly can't lose her, can't afford to lose her. I was actually in a conversation um, with a few journos on on Friday after the um, Tuchel's 
cup final press conference and and the notion of if she stays around long enough, could she even one day take the Chelsea job was talked about. And and part of you sort of goes, well, that would be mental. But is it as crazy as it would have initially sounded, you know, like a few years ago? Because she gets Chelsea, she's well ingrained in Chelsea. I mean, huge, diff- different kind of pressure. Um, because you can imagine after a couple of defeats, the kind of things that would be said by certain um, Neanderthals. But it's definitely a talking point. I've, I've interviewed her a few times, Matt, and uh, like she's compelling, you know, to, to speak to about tactics and stuff. And I'd sat down with Ka- Karen Carney while I'd, I'd lunch at a game with her relatively recently. And I was just really interested in what she what she's like in terms of her management. Is she a ranter and a raver? And she just said, you just... You just don't want to let her down. I think was the first thing that Karen Carney said. She doesn't have to say anything. She's got that that aura about her. And I'm just thinking there. Look, there's been obviously serious uh, opposition this season, the last couple of years in the WSL. But will we not really gauge just how great Emma is until she does take a job or has a different challenge with lesser resources? I suppose. Mm. And I know that you know Manchester City have had a go. Obviously, Arsenal, Manchester United, Champions League football. Um, in the last few years, they've just fallen short. But, you know, when she gets a, another challenge at some point, if it's not the, the Chelsea men gig, um, we'll maybe see just how tactically brilliant she is and a motivator, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how her career develops wherever it is. OK, we're going to take a quick look at the penultimate game of the season for the men's team next. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Chelsea host Leicester at Stamford Bridge on Thursday night. The Blues need a point from their last two league games to guarantee Champions League football next season. Leicester arrive having demolished Watford on Sunday. Chelsea face the Hornets on the final day, of course. Uh, Simon, I'm, I'm trying to bring some positivity to this section of the show. Uh, oh dear. It, it occurred to me this morning, uh, last season Chelsea beat Leicester at Stamford Bridge days after an FA Cup final defeat in what proved to be a pivotal result in securing a top four finish. So I don't know, maybe it'll happen again. I'll leave it there, shall I? <laughs> yes. Can't wait for Thursday night. Um, what do you think gonna... the mood's going to be like in oh, the stadium? It's going to be party time, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's going to be an element of of um, a hangover, a season hangover. But, you know, it's an opportunity for some players, I think. Um 
there's bound to be a little bit of rotation possibly because I think after 120 minutes, people are going to be pretty exhausted. I saw Thiago Silva sort of limping away down the, as he came past me in the mix. I also saw Kennedy, by the way, <clears throat> took a picture of him, posted it on, on my Twitter account because I just went, there he is. Remember, <laughs> he's been, he's done a lot since that lone recall. Um, but no, it is important Chelsea get over the line um, so, that, so that Watford can can genuinely be like a classic send-off party final game of the season. Let's just have a good time sort of thing. I mean, you would imagine, given Watford, the wheels have fallen off. Chelsea should. They, they've got that banker in the back of their minds that they've also got Watford, but they don't want to take it to the last game. <laughs> that would That would be cruel for everybody in the stadium including those of us in the press box <laughs> quite the contrast Sam with, with the meeting between these two earlier in the season I was at the King Power for that one Chelsea oh, yeah. won 3-0 could have been <laughs> 6-0 top of the league three points clear all singing all dancing uh, has it just been the relentlessness of the schedule has it been the management of the of the playing resources has it been the sanctions what's the reason why it's, it's tailed off so spectacularly and, and disappointingly I don't know, a combination, isn't it? A combination of not being good enough both ends of the pitch, really, in comparison to the two top teams. That's really been evident since before Christmas. So many individual errors. Still, up until the last couple of games, talking about what the best combination is up front. I mean, we never thought we'd we'd be in this position. We thought Lukaku was going to be the answer. And... Um, you know, he's proved anything but really until the last couple of games. But yeah, and, and and I think it sounds crazy to say it, but just not strong enough in certain departments. When there's been injuries, there hasn't been enough quality to to come in and replace. And there's there's enough quality at the club. But unfortunately, some of them are out on loan. Um, uh, some of them, obviously, if you go a little bit deeper, some players that were obviously let go in the last 12 months, probably could have come in this year and done a done a fine... Well, they would have done, wouldn't they? Come in and done a fine job. There's no there's no getting away that Gehi, for example, would have been a, a perfect player to step into the back three throughout this campaign. I mean, uh, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just left Chelsea a little bit short, I think. Left-hand side, you know, when you haven't had Chilwell, Alonso's had to churn out performance after performance. What we could have done for... You know, a, a younger version of Alonso or someone with a bit bit of zip down the left hand side. Um, there's there's not really been anyone. So you look towards these last couple of games. It's a bit walking wounded right now, but you can't really freshen up with too many. Um, yeah, maybe you could introduce Lewis Hall, Harvey Vale to play a part in in, in this game, or or certainly the Watford game um, if if the the goal is achieved, but. Yeah, I just think a combination of factors, really, Matt. But yeah, the, the main the main differences I think between Liverpool and City, the the amount of goals, the the array of attacking talent that have been consistent, and, and obviously they don't make the same mistakes that Chelsea have made consistently this year. I'll also flip it round um, a little bit. Um, there's me sort of trying to provide something upbeat for a change, um, but. I sort of go back to the column I, I wrote after Chelsea were knocked, knocked off top spot um, back in December when they lost at West Ham. And I said, why is everyone surprised? 
I, I was a bit bemused for months um, after Chelsea signed Lukaku when everyone was saying Chelsea favourites for the title. I was like, well, they've got a better chance. But everyone seemed to be forgetting how ridiculously good Man City and Liverpool are. I, I, I don't... There's no disgrace to not finish above those two clubs who have been phenomenal. Um, Liverpool had a season off last season, but we all know why, because of injuries. Like We're talking about two of the best Premier League teams ever here. So I think some perspective has to be brought into the equation. Not saying that, that, that you know, we ignore the problems and deficiencies, but these are two phenomenal sides. The gap between them has really grown particularly since the international break, where it, it, it feels like fatigue has really caught up with, with the current squad, as well as perhaps lacking some areas. Obviously, looking forward, you sort of think, how how can the gap close? Because these two clubs sort of seem to be able to recruit so well when they buy a player. Jack Grealish, perhaps a bit of a question mark still, but when they buy a player, it tends to work. I mean, City have now gone out and bought Haaland. I mean, it's it, the task isn't going to get any easier. But my final point on this as well is that Tuchel's only been there for, what, 16 months, and he's up against two managers that have been been there now for, for several seasons and have been, has been, been able to mould their squads the way they want. Um, so Tuchel deserves that time we always talk about time and patience at Chelsea. Hopefully the new owners are going to perhaps have a slightly different mantra to Abramovich in, in that they'll give this guy the time he's not, he he's earned to build the squad that he wants. Um, although Abramovich's record of hiring fine managers didn't exactly damage the trophy cabinet. <laughs> Uh, it's an eight o'clock kickoff on Thursday night, Chelsea against Leicester. It means we'll be recording our second pod of the week on Friday so we can reflect upon it. Uh, Simon, we mentioned there your piece on Chelsea needing some new players over the summer. What else are you going to be working on this week, please? Well, um, funny enough, I forgot to write a piece about Andreas Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and sort of sadly... Sort of, you know, writing about sort of where, how has it come to this, um, and then and then yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be sort of looking ahead to the final final running, I suppose. Um, but yeah, hitting the golf course is also on my on my list of things to do. Uh, if you think Chelsea need to work on their game, my word, you should see you should see me after halfway through. I'm, Always tempted to hit the 19th hole rather than move to the 10th. <laughs> um, Sam, presumably you're going to be knee-deep in playoffs most of this week, keeping an eye on the likes of Levi Colwell and Tino Andrin as they look to uh, book a place at Wembley tonight as we record. Yeah, we're looking forward to that one tonight. Um, yeah, I won't be at Chelsea on Thursday. I will be from the Wembley of London to the Wembley of the North, Port Vale, Thursday night. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of which, I just 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 want to flag, um, you know, given Huddersfield are are still in the playoffs. Hopefully, they'll continue to be in the playoffs for their sake. Not no offence, Luton, Luton, because uh, yeah, basically it's the Chelsea connection. Um, there are a couple of interviews I've, I've done. Obviously, Levi Colwell, we've already spoke about, but I, I spoke to Tino Andrin. Uh, the pieces came up a few days ago. Of course, he didn't. Don't think he got on, did he? On the in the first leg. But yeah, hopefully he'll have a chance to 
to, to play a part um, in the second leg and maybe the final. Um, I found him a very engaging character. What a season he's had, by the way. <laughs> he was thought, thought, he, thought he was going to be part of Chelsea's pre-season. Basically, he wasn't because of bad luck. Got COVID on the final of Euro 2020. How's your luck? Ends up in Moscow. I actually asked him, I said, um, you know, the metatarsal, which he went into great detail about of how cruel, cruel a break he suffered. I, I did ask him, he didn't make the piece. I said, um, I know that was an awful thing to happen to you, but, and we won't go too much into detail, but was it a bit of a blessing in disguise given current affairs? <laughs> and he sort of went, uh, yeah, but I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> which, it's interesting which, you asked me that, Simon. I've been looking for a platform to give my views on geopolitics. Yeah, yeah but that's all I needed. Um, it still got cut from the piece. I think we were, we were trying to sort of, you know, not like get him involved. But um, I also just want to give a shout out to, um, um, and we should have done earlier in the show, Tiago Silva. I, I, I got to sort of talk to a few people about Tiago Silva, write a big piece ahead of the final. And I still think it stands as a piece a standalone piece, regardless of the fact the final's been and gone. I don't think... Everyone's kind of appreciated what he's done for Chelsea, but I still don't think there's been enough pieces about him, and we wanted to put that right. Um, I actually spoke to his former club doctor, Michael Sfoni, um, who's still in touch with him, but he got to sort of see Silver when he was a young teenager, so he's known him for 21 years. And he, so he saw that mentality of of looking after himself, being the pro. I found it very difficult to find out too much about Silver because there isn't much more to say than, oh, he's a great pro, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he gave some great insight. And there were, I also found it quite interesting that someone, someone in the hierarchy very early on sort of said, oh, we signed a real grown-up, <laughs> which, I, which I like. Uh, but but sometimes that's exactly what what you know that is refreshing that you've got someone that comes in does the job and you don't have to worry about any issues off the pitch whatever he, he is the consummate professional and he showed it again on Saturday picks up an injury plays the 120 minutes at the age of 37 I mean it's it's remarkable for me for some reason the vote hasn't been opened up yet on on the club for the player of the year from what from what I've seen. But for me, he gets my vote just just ahead of Rudiger. I don't know what we might talk about that more next week. But but yeah, that would be that'd be my choice for player of the year. Uh, other Chelsea content you can read on the Athletic includes Greg O'Keefe interviewing John Russell, more Huddersfield connections, former Chelsea academy boy, uh, now with the Terriers on his promotion hopes, but also his Mormon faith. Uh, meanwhile, Charlotte Harper was at Wembley for Sunday's FA Cup final. She's got a piece up on Chelsea's team of leaders and Dom trailed his piece last week on the cult of football paranoia that's well worth your time to athletic.com slash chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up to read all of those we'll be back later in the week when we'll reflect on Leicester and look ahead to the final game of the season for the Blues until then many thanks to Simon to Sam and to Lucy and to you for joining us today we'll speak to you soon bye for now The Athletic